0: Albert and the from Carson Sestuli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly appearance every Monday, sure as it's like clockwork. It's the managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. The recent news of uh, suspensions being administered, not only to Alex Rodriguez the New York Yankees, but also to twelve other players. Uh, uh, those news reports are inescapable, that's what they are, and the listener to this particular edition of Fangraph Studio will be uh, uh, unable to escape them as well, as discussion of those suspensions, uh, the ones involved in the biogenesis case, et cetera, et cetera, uh, uh, form the bulk of what's to follow. The discussion of them forms the bulk of what's to follow. Hopefully, ideally, what both myself and uh, Cameron are able to do is to frame the conversation in such a way that it is not cloying, that it is free of hysteria, moral grandstanding, and that it is uh, mostly palatable. That's the goal. Uh, uh, one thing that cannot change, uh, however, is the nature of Dave Cameron's voice. That's uh, one listener has requested that I change the tone of Dave Cameron's voice using uh, – in, in I should say in editing. Uh, this is not possible. He said take out the high sounds from Cameron's voice. Well, if you did that – uh, there would be no more Dave Cameron left. So that's that. Uh, but let's um, let's stop this introduction. Let's get to the meat of the thing, shall we? Uh, it's FanGraphs Audio Features, managing editor, uh, FanGraphs managing editor Dave Cameron, and it begins right now. I'm visiting with my grandfather in Weston, Massachusetts, and yeah. uh, I had to. Ex- I, I explained to him we were at the market. I explained to him that I need to be back for a podcast, uh, but if you tell a 93 year old man what that is, then you also have to explain what a podcast is.
1: Right. What's your excuse for being late every other week?
0: Uh, bad guy. Yeah. So at least a uh, somewhat reputable excuse this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh how, how you doing? How's North Carolina? Are you in North Carolina? I I am in North
1: Carolina. It's uh it's actually cooled off, which is nice. We had a stretch of like mid nineties with ninety percent humidity and uh that sucks. So that's gone. Today's eighty and uh much more
0: tolerable. Uh and uh dog update.
1: Uh sleeping at the moment, I'm almost certainly not going to sleep through the entire podcast, at which point I will have a decision to make We're... Uh, attempting to stretch out her bladder control a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, so usually what happens is during the day, if she wakes up and starts to bark, we'll let her out and let her, you know, do what she needs to do. Uh, this one I might like so if she can hold it through the end of the podcast. So you might have some barking dog in the background.
0: Okay. <clears throat> um, one other update. Um, a uh, concerned reader or concerned listener, Joseph Aguire, um, contacted me via Twitter. And he said, is there anything you could do uh, about, um, you know, within the podcast, uh, the highs uh, the, um, Dave Cameron's voice uh, <coughs> occupies maybe too robustly the high and in, in middle areas of the, uh, you know, the equalizing the scale or whatever you say. Uh, I, said, um, I said, I apologize. That's, that's Dave Cameron's voice. Right. He said, yeah, you there's keep... only
1: so much the levels can do about how
0: I was created. Yeah. He's. I said. He said, "Can you take out the highs and in, in the middle a little bit?" I said, "Then there would be nothing left." Right. It would be Yeah. High yeah. yeah. Which uh, maybe some people would like it more. Although I don't think. Yeah. Right. Exactly. yeah I don't know. the, the natural ambiance of a
1: podcast without any talking.
0: Right. A little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, what are we uh, What are we up against here today? Uh, Dave, listen. So, Dave Cameron, there is a lot of um. Well, there's a lot of baseball news, and a lot of that news concerns um, PEDs and suspensions. Yes.
1: Yeah. But uh, I would say 99% of baseball discussion right now is about uh, Alex Rodriguez and/or people accepting suspension.
0: Right now, the the thing about that sort of news is it's one it's one piece of news, and like you said, it uh, it, it takes up a lot of. I know I was talking with my. Um, my broker, and my broker said I was dropping off some forms or something. He said, can you do something about A-Rod? I said, first of all, no, because why, how could I do that? But second of all, he said, uh, you know, uh, what is there to say after that? Except I suppose m- many people will use it, uh, and my broker is a – I'm sure he's a hell of a guy, but a lot of people use it so that they might um, uh, wax uh, moralistic. Or something like this? They could say, oh, this uh, this player ought to be punished, uh, this other one's a good guy. Does this seem like the case to you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, at this point, Alex Rodriguez is kind of the country punching bag. Uh, it's become, you know, part of the water cooler coolness to say, man, I hate that guy. Uh, I wish baseball would get rid of him forever and I never had to talk about Alex Rodriguez again. He's kind of like, I don't know, uh, not that I'm a pop culture expert, but... Uh, if there's some terrible pop star band that everyone hates, I don't know. Are the Backstreet Boys still a thing?
0: No, they're not. Uh, but there's, okay, uh, you what? will occasionally have, like, a, along those same lines, you will have uh, maybe teen or younger stars. There's there's a, a young woman by the name of Amanda Bynes who has become something of a train wreck. Um, okay. And so people will say, uh, oh, she needs to, uh, well, either they're entertained by her or amused by her, or they say she needs, to, she needs help. That's what they'll say. They, they, and they spend uh, some time thinking about it.
1: Right. So Alex was is kind of that now. He's a, he's a celebrity train wreck and not so much a baseball
0: player. Right. And it's easy to – it seems as though um, – and we're speaking in uh, huge generalities, so there's that. But it seems as though um, it's easy to write a number of words about this thing uh, – um, this about on this topic about which there's little else known.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, from one perspective – uh, you know, writers have to write about what people want to read about. Uh, you know, most, most writers are not freelancers. They have, you know, editors and employers who want page views or who want, you know, subscribers. Uh, I'm, I'm sure pretty much every mainstream media columnist was told at some point in the last couple of weeks that they have to write about Alexandria or Biogenesis or Suspensions or PEDs or something along those lines. The easy way to fill the column inches is to, you know, fill it with outrage. That's what the readers are generally feeling, and you can just kind of feed that uh, emotion and say, hey, these are terrible people who are ruining the pure game that we love. Let's all get mad at them, and that's uh, kind of the easiest way to fill your job. There are other ways to do it, but they're just simply more difficult because, as you know, we don't really know much. I mean, basically, what we know about Alex Rodriguez is, is everybody who comes in contact with him hates the guy. Mm-hmm. So to write a piece defending him and to say, like, hey, maybe we don't know the whole story, well... It seems like the people who do know the real story still hate the guy, so maybe it's just easier to, to
0: crucify him like everyone else. Well, so we we typically don't have, uh, uh, except for maybe the trade deadline, uh, maybe some other points, we don't have the sort of editorial mandates about which uh, you, you know that you mentioned. Um, right. But if you were tasked, if David Appleman, um, who literally has an iron fist, if he came to you, and he said, uh, Cameron, I, I want you to write a thousand words or whatever. Uh, on, um, on A-Rod and uh, STAT, wh- how would you handle it?
1: Um, that's a good question. I mean, I'm kind of happy. I mean, you know, we we do have Wendy Thurman's been covering the Biogenesis case and kind of the, the mm. steroid suspension angle for Fangraphs. I think she's done a really good job of kind of just covering it from a, a news perspective and not really weighing in editorially. Um, if I had to weigh in as, like, a columnist and say, you know, uh, here's a thousand interesting words on Alex Rodriguez, I think. You know, it would not be an easy, easy task. And, and you know, there's been so much written about A-Rod, um There's not much left to say. Uh, you know, maybe you could take the the angle of um, looking at you know, kind of what he could have been. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a tragic tale, right? Because I mean, Alex Rodriguez hasn't been using a steroids his entire career. wasn't using steroids in high school. Uh, very most likely, we don't think. Uh, when he was considered one of the best high school prospects of all time, uh, there's a little bit of a kind of a tragic what if. Uh, that goes along with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, I think, where if these guys had chosen uh, not to use performance-enhancing drugs, they still would have been inner circle Hall of Famers, greatest of all time, and they threw away a legacy that was already in place. Like, you know, I think on one hand, it's easy to relate to a guy like a Jordani Valdespin or, uh, you know, Antonio Bastardo, who's a fringe major leaguer who might not ever get to the big league, might not get back kind a of paycheck, uh, might not get to fulfill his dream, and is, is basically choosing between. Uh, you know, a major league career or not uh, when taking PEDs. For a guy like Rodriguez or Barnes or Clemens, they were already there, and they were already awesome. Uh, so for them, it's, it is uh, a little less sympathy, not that we have a ton of sympathy for the others, but there's it, it's not as relatable of a decision when you're already a very rich man and you decide to, um, you know, break the rules in order to become even richer.
0: Now, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, there are, I guess, besides... Uh, the Alex Rodriguez suspension, or we'll discuss that momentarily. There are 12 players now, is that right, who have accepted 50-game suspensions? Correct. Okay, and uh, the notable or more notable w- names, uh, um, players who play in the major leagues, uh, let's see, Nelson Cruz, uh, Johnny Peralta, and Everest Cabrera, yes? Yes, those uh,
1: are probably the three biggest names.
0: Right, You've met, and, and we have reason to believe, I assume, that uh, part, certainly part of the Tigers' uh, interest in Jose Iglesias was tied to this Peralta uh, suspension. I mean,
1: that, that was almost entirely their interest. They knew Peralta was getting suspended. They knew they needed the shortstop for the stretch run. Peralta was a free agency of the year. Uh, they might bring him back, but I would say probably not. Uh, so they made Iglesias their shortstop for the present and future because Peralta you know, got himself suspended for the rest of the year.
0: Right, right. right. He won't be there. And uh, and then there are some other names that uh, have uh, appear. I mean, you mentioned Bastardo and Valdespin. Um, and then, I guess, well, Jesus Montero as well.
1: Jesus Montero, Cesar Puello, Batino de los Fontos, uh, Fernando Martinez, Francisco Cervelli, uh, Sergio Escalona, who was his name that came out today.
0: Yep. And Jordan Noberto, apparently.
1: Yeah, and Jordan Noberto doesn't have a team and probably won't ever have a team again.
0: Right. Okay. And what these people were suspended because they were all their names were in these uh, biogenesis or associated with biogenesis or no? Yeah, I mean their, their
1: names were found in the files, and presumably Anthony Bosch gave Major League Baseball some evidence that uh, he could prove that they had uh, received steroids, and so rather than appeal and fight, they all just uh, took the 58 suspensions, kind of in the face of um, probably inevitable suspensions anyway. And so um, Major League Baseball basically went to them and said, you know, here's our case. We're going to suspend you. You can drop the appeal and we'll just give you the 50 games. You can serve it out. If you're a free agent in the year, you can have, you know, all of next year, uh, to offer your employers and try to make money, as much money as you can. Uh, or if you find it, we might try and give you more than the 50 games. And I think that's kind of the, the hammer they're trying to use with A-Rod is go for as long of a threat as possible so that he'll take something, uh, shorter without the appeal. So it seems like, you know, Major Baseball gave them the option and said, don't appeal, take the 50 games. Uh, and we won't try and give you something even more
0: severe. So, uh, two of these players, at least, are fixtures on playoff clubs. You mentioned Peralta and um, in, in how the Iglesias, the acquisition of Jose Iglesias, uh, you know, was directly related to that. Do we do we see the loss of uh, Johnny Peralta and the replacement of him by Jose Iglesias affecting the Tigers considerably?
1: Uh yeah, I mean I think Peralta's been one of the Tiger's best players this year. <laughs> you know, he's hitting at a very high level, uh even better defensive than first than he's given credit for. Uh I think, you know, going from Peralta to Glacius is a downgrade. I mean good news for the Tigers is there's only two months left in the season and you know, going from a good player to an okay player over two months isn't the end of the world. They might lose a win, uh, because they have Peralta and so Iglesias, And, you know, that, that's assuming that the the gains uh, from having Iglesias behind their, their ground ball pitchers like Rick Porcello and Doug Pfister, uh, don't have some kind of, uh, offsetting, uh, value where it helps their bullpen and allows them to go deeper into the game and, you know, maybe gives them a little more confidence. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting pitching and defense, uh, entanglements there and Iglesias is supposed to be a, uh, you know, superlative defensive sort of stuff. So maybe there's some extra value there that we're not capturing. Um, so overall, I think the Tigers will be okay. It's going to hurt them most in October, most likely when the you know they replace the guy in Falta who at them and Iglesias, who should hit ninth. Nice. Um, so I think you know the, their order, the batting orders, will be weaker in October. Uh, but I think you know they're still likely to win the division. They'll probably make the playoffs. You know Johnny Falta getting suspended probably won't ruin their season.
0: Now, um, with regard to Iglesias, uh, he, he, as you as you say, he's noted for his defense. Um, he already just, um, when he's getting playing time, he's probably one of the, what, top top five shortstops defensively in the league? Is that fair to say? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I think the scouting reports on him have been, you know, uh, up there with the Andrew and Simmons of the world, uh, where people who see him claim that he's, you know, one of the best defensive shortstops they've ever seen. The defensive metrics don't necessarily bear that out quite yet. Uh, but, you know, small, sample defensive metrics, they're not always going to... Uh, stabilize super quickly. So, I think we would expect that Iglesias is going to be a very good defender. Uh, it's kind of interesting, and there's some thought that, you know, a lot of things that he's good at have to do with hands and foot foot movement and, uh, you know, being able to, um, do things that certainly look spectacular, but his physical range isn't necessarily thought to be at the same level of a guy like, you know, Simmons or Ray Ordonez or one of those guys who just, you know, covers a ton of ground. Moving side to side, Iglesias isn't. Uh, spectacular in that way. I think a lot of what makes him really good is how well he can uh, get the ball out of his glove, and how well he positions his feet, and uh, kind of the, the plays that he can make on balls that he can get to, versus just getting to a ton of balls.
0: Now, when we're talking about a, an elite um, defensive shortstop, um, what are the sort of what? what uh, how valuable is that just as a skill all by itself? I know that, for example, Brendan Ryan. Um, yeah. You know, until late, I don't know uh, what his playing time is like now with both Nick Franklin and Brad Miller around. Uh, zero. <laughs> okay, well, zero, zero. That's that's close to zero. Uh, but 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 he, uh, for a couple years uh, of late, he's made uh, almost no contributions offensively, and yet still seems to have been. I mean, he's been a starter. He's been a starter with a, a poor team, but he's been a starter, and he was not the worst player on that team.
1: Right. No, I think you know Brendan Ryan's a good example of kind of the like classic. Uh, no hit, all glove shortstop, and, you know, by our metrics, he was roughly an average player when he was, you know, not the worst hitter in the baseball. Now that he is something close to the worst hitter in baseball, he was below average. But I think what we've seen is if you can post a, you know, a Woba around 270 or so and play spectacular defense at shortstop, that's worth starting on a major league contender. It's not necessarily a guy who's going to push you forward dramatically, because there's a lot of outs there on offense. But if you're a, you know, a true top shelf, Adam Everett kind of defender. Uh, you don't have to that much to be a regular, everyday guy and
0: contribute. Right. So, and it should be noted that uh, per steamer, uh, according to both the Steamer and the Zips, in terms of rest of season projections, uh, uh, Iglesias' Woba projected Woba is right around 280, which makes him about 30% worse than league average. You know, 70 R- WRC plus. And uh, so, what your suggestion is, that's probably that's going to be average, something like average. Uh,
1: we, that would make him an average player if he was, like, you know, the best at the shortstop of the game. I don't think we know that he is. So the scouting report suggests that he might be, uh, or that he has the skills to be, I mean, you know, UNFB Betancourt came up as a superlative defensive uh, shortstop and, you know, degraded very quickly. Uh, you know, it's not impossible for players with this kind of skill set to peak on day one, basically, and never be that good again, uh, get a little bit bigger, uh, lose some foot speed, whatever it is, Defense seems to peak very early, so Iglesias might be an average player now, might not be an average player in a year or two if he uh, doesn't maintain his defensive excellence. He's very well-minded. I mean, have you know, Hamilton, some people have gotten any worse. Uh, it's not something like Iglesias is going to decline, but at the same time, I think we should recognize that uh, the bat's going to probably have to uh, be better than it is right now for Iglesias to be a good player long-term.
0: Okay, now that's the that's the, from the Tiger side of it. It um, seems like the suggestion is it's not going to be worth more than a win, <clears throat> or, or you know, a negative win essentially, uh, and then uh, uh, until the Tigers make the playoffs, right? That's right. Yeah,
1: I, I would think that there's not going to be a dramatic
0: change. Okay, now the uh, on the other side of it, we have the the Texas Rangers. I believe Nelson Cruz has had a a, a pretty excellent season. Um, he won't. He won't be there. Of course, he's missed uh, portions of a number of seasons uh, because he's been injury prone. Uh, this is. This won't be for that reason. I suppose uh, Texas, uh, who are well, they're about. Uh, they, I know of late they were a game or two out of the wild card. Um, so they they are sort of they're on the outside, just barely on the outside looking in. Um, they, they've probably been buoyed by some degree to the um, uh, the emergence of Leonis Martin. Um but but what precisely does the absence of Cruz spell for for that Rangers club?
1: Yeah, I don't think they're gonna miss Cruz that much. He he's fairly overrated overall. I think, you know, Cruz has uh, got some physical skills that are impressive, he can hit a baseball a very long way. But at the same time he's a uh, bad defensive corner outfielder who plays in Texas, so his offensive numbers need to be adjusted downwards and he doesn't really get on base that much. I think, you know, this year his on base percentage is three thirty, last year it was three twenty, and the fourth was three ten. Uh you know, this is not a guy who's um, avoiding outs and constantly creating rallies. He just hits some home runs. He runs in some fastballs and, and hits a really long line. and says, oh man, Nelson Cruz, he's really good. He, he's, he's an okay player. Uh, Nelson Cruz is, you know, not a bad guy to have in your lineup. Uh, but he's not any kind of impact player, and especially over the last two months of the season. Uh, you know, David Murphy starts, starts hitting and the and ms gets more regular playing time. They're going to be just fine. I mean, I don't think that losing Nelson Cruz is going to be a death blow to the Rangers. It'll make them worse, but not that much worse.
0: Right. And it seems, uh, just looking over his his player page at the moment here, it seems like, and in, in I, I might be guilty of this too, I, <clears throat> I still remember that the Nelson Cruz from 2008 to 2010 and assume that that's the player who's still around.
1: Right. I mean, there was a, there was a stretch. When he first kind of uh, broke through and got, got rid of the 4A label mode, he was awesome. But, uh, he's not that He hasn't been that guy for a while. He's, he's settled it as much more of an average, uh, maybe even a little below average player. Uh, it, he's not nearly what he was back in 2010 when he was one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, you know, I think at this point, Cruz is kind of a, you know, a nice role player who should hit sixth or seventh on a winning team and be substituted out for defensive purposes late in a close game.
0: Okay. And then we're back to the, uh, the actual Alex Rodriguez situation. Uh, last I saw the, the proposal. But from MLB is to suspend him through 2014. Correct. Okay, and uh, is that? But uh, also, is uh, A Rod not vowed to to uh, challenge the suspension, appeal it?
1: Yeah, A Rod basically uh, said he's going to to fight to the death. And you know, I think not that I have uh, sympathy for A Rod, but he's getting screwed here. I mean, I think you know the reality of the is that Alex Rodriguez, you know took PEDs, just like a lot of other people. A lot of other people got 50-game suspensions. Ryan Braun, who, you know, uh, took PEDs, uh, most likely, uh, you know, under what we know, um, and then, you know, kind of ruined uh, uh, the reputation of an innocent man in order to get himself, uh, you know, acquitted in a, in a arbitration hearing, uh, got 65-game suspension. I'm not sure what Rodriguez has done that is that much worse. Uh, reportedly, he attempted to, you know, buy some files from Biojustice and uh, you know, kind of cover his own tracks. But, you know, Melky Cabrera created a fake website in order to cover his own tracks. He got 50 games. Brian Buron, uh, you know, took down the, uh, the reputation of the guy who handled the sample. He has 65 games. a could get 214 games. Uh, it seems like there's, uh, maybe a sacrificial lamb aspect here where no one really likes Alex Rodriguez. I don't think anyone would mind if he just kind of went away. Uh, Players Association included. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the, the MLBPA said, you know what? We don't want to look like we're harboring fugitives or that we're helping players cheat. Uh, we really want to look like we're partners in cleaning up the game. Uh, so we kind of need, you know, someone to, to take it on the head here. And that's going to be Alex Rodriguez because he's old and he's, uh, not that likable. And no one really, uh, wants to see him keep playing baseball except for Alex Rodriguez. And so it's kind of the world against A right now. And I think A probably realized that, that, screw this. I don't want to be the sacrificial lamb.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, when did uh, this is this might be more of a subjective turn here but when did this uh, trajectory begin for alex rodriguez at one point he played for the mariners and he was good and young and then i guess he signed a large contract with uh, the texas rangers and certainly mariners fans did not care for that i think i was actually living in seattle at the time i remember they sort of did, i remember an image where uh, some fans had uh, fish hooks with dollar bills Uh, Stuck towards the end of them and had them near A Rod, but this is a lot of players do this. A lot of players take a lot of money to go to another team. This is not true. Now, at what point though did he become A Rod reviled universally? Was it was it with slapping the ball out of Bronson Arroyo's glove? Was it um, you know uh, revelations concerning the fact that he is uh, has himself painted like a centaur? Uh, these are, you know, I mean, this is—that's outside of the game, but it's, you know, it uh, uh, will cause you to think twice about it. <laughs> a person's integrity. Or, I mean, it's strange. I guess this was the, is the point. Uh, what do you have a sense? Is, is it been multiple points, or have there been, or there been uh, definitive churning points?
1: Yeah, it's not one thing. I mean, this isn't like O.J. Simpson, beloved, you know, glove salesman, turns into murderer overnight and did something we didn't know he was okay. capable of. This is, I think, a long string of events for people who just gotten tired of A-Rod. And, you know, even in Seattle at his exit, uh, you know, Griffey Jr. had, uh, left not that long before, and Randy Johnson had left before. So the, Seattle had kind of had a string of superstars leaving on less than great terms at that point. Uh, and I remember, uh, you know, Howard Lincoln, who, uh, or Chuck Armstrong, one of them, the, the kind of co-incarnate of the Mariners, uh, you know, there had been a pretty significant falling out with Griffey demanding the trade, uh, he basically orchestrated him so he could only get traded the Cincinnati Reds, even after he said he wanted to be closer to his home in Florida. Uh, he was not that close to Florida. Uh, there was some animosity towards Griffey, but after Arod left, there were comments about how Griffey would be welcomed back to the organization far before Rodriguez ever would, and they, the organization really felt like Rodriguez was two-faced and uh, had been dishonest with them in negotiations, had lied to them, um, and they just really felt like Rodriguez handled himself very poorly. Uh, even relative to the guy who'd been seen as the greatest player in franchise history demanding a trade 12 months prior. So, um, I think, you know, Rodriguez burned a lot of bridges when he left Seattle. Uh, you know, anyone signed that giant contract with Texas. Anytime you get a contract of that size, it's going to harbor some ill will. And there were, you know, people in baseball calling that contract stupid at the time it was signed. And then the ringer proceeded to not win for several years. So Rodriguez kind of became the face of uh, you know, poor roster building through free agency, and and kind of how one player can't carry a team, and then you know, kind of the the non-clutch uh, stuff started to stick to him. And then he gets right to the Yankees, and you know, everyone loves to hate the Yankees and, and they hate everything involved with the Yankees. And, and then he started doing some you know less than friendly things off the field. Uh, you know, getting involved in, in weird scandals and weird acting, and uh, you know, kind of the tits with Derek Peter, and whether, you know, I mean, anytime you kind of set yourself up as the antagonist to the most beloved player in in the Yankees, that's not going to be very good for your reputation. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. You have the centaur thing, you have the slapping thing, and now you have the steroids thing. It's just, you know, one scandal after another, uh, where it seems like Alex Rodriguez just can't seem to stay away from being on the wrong side of things.
0: It, now, it should be noted that, he, despite the fact that his contract, uh, certainly for the time, was uh, with Texas, was huge. I, I believe he was worth it. Is that not? Is that not correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, by our metrics, uh, there was no reason to think that Rodriguez was overpaid, and those Texas teams were bad because they overpaid, you know, Channel Park and uh, you know all the guys that put around out of Rodriguez who were terrible. He was a very, very good. Uh, I do think there was some perception, and probably it still remains that. You know, he was self-pushing and playing for his own numbers and all those kinds of things that go along with, uh, you know, kind of the way that people evaluate baseball players. It's, you know, maybe not the most accurate. So I think that, you know, the perception is that Rodriguez was drastically overpaid and prohibited the Rangers from winning, even though that's not true. And, you know, whether that's part of why people dislike Alex Rodriguez today or why he's uh, become a little bit aloof with the media, uh, it's hard to say, but it probably didn't help very much.
0: Okay. And uh, so what I, I assume that in terms of wins, and losses, this doesn't really affect the Yankees very much, even going into next year.
1: Well, I mean, the interesting thing is uh, all the rest of the players are going to start serving suspensions. Today, I is going to be in the lineup. Tonight. He's appealing, and the major league are going to let him play through his appeal. So, uh, you know, in all the other cases, we're talking about how the player, the team is going to cope without him. In this case, Rodriguez has missed the entire season and is going to return today. So it's a, kind of a slip-case scenario. Uh, you know, I'm kind of personally rooting for Alex Rodriguez to have an absolutely monster second half of the year just because I want to see uh, kind of how the media reacts to Rodriguez doing well and helping the Yankees win. I mean, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I, you know, someone mentioned the other day like 13 home runs behind Willie Mays. The moral outrage when Alex Rodriguez ties Willie Mays in career home runs <laughs> is going to be unbelievable. It's going to fall in upon itself. I just kind of want to be a witness to that happening.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so, so you want you you want a different kind of spectacle, I guess. That's uh, right.
1: I'm rooting for the, the train wreck of moral outrage when when A-Rod ties Willie Mays, who is, you know, in many people's eyes, one of the great players of all time. Uh, you know, for A-Rod to get mentioned in the same category. Uh, oh, the humanity of that day.
0: Now, uh, who who if the Yankees been playing at third base? Because Euclid has been gone forever too. Uh, is Ramiro Pena still there? Uh, Eduardo Escobar? Yeah. Who's there?
1: Yeah, they, they've basically gone through a rotating, uh, cavalcade of, of, utility infielders just trying to plug the hole. Uh, Jason Nixon was there for a little while. Uh, they're just kind of, you know, plugging the hole as best they can. You know, the funny thing about all this is they could actually really use A-Rod. I mean, not that he's anything special anymore, but if you take all of the spectacle and the personality and all of that, if it was, you know, Joe Smith, and he didn't have any of this baggage, this would be talked about as a pretty significant return, because the Yankees have a glaring hole up their face, and, you know, he might be able to help
0: them. All right. Well, I guess it remains to be seen whether they will. Um, uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. Have we done it? Have we done it? Uh, this is, Have we done it justice at this point? Is that? Yeah, I think we, we can stop kicking the force. Okay, all right. Uh, let me, uh, let's see. You, you posted today on the McGill... I... <clears throat> Um, I mean, you you laid it out uh, nicely in uh, the precise number of words that uh, needed to be used uh, for the subject. But the point is that Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera are once again the two best players in the league.
1: From one dead horse to another.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) let's do this one much quicker. Uh, If the season ended, Miguel Cabrera would probably win the MVP of the American League. Chris Davis might even finish second. Uh, but by war, uh, Mike Trout is is probably is probably the best player in the league.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, the case is not nearly as, uh, you know, uh, extreme as it was last year when, when Trout was running circles around it, and baseball. Uh, but part of that is because defensive metrics are regressed, and, you know, there's certainly some reason to think that defensive metrics are not, uh, you know, to be taken 100% at face value in four-month samples. So, you know, if you want to think that Trout is a better defender than than VR is claiming this year, uh, there's some validity to that argument. So maybe Trout really is running laps around the field again. Uh, but I think you know, we're in an interesting. I think the interesting thing to me is that uh, Mike Trout is once again, you know, the best player in baseball, or very close to it. Uh, you know, maybe a co-best player in baseball, depending on how you feel about Mike Uh And he's got really no chance of winning the MVP. I'm not even sure he's going to finish in the top five. I think you know what we're going to see is Davis and Cabrera going to be one and two in the kind of RBI guy on contending teams, and then I think people are going to look for reasons to you know pick someone from the Red Sox, whether it's Dustin Pedroia or um, you know David Ortiz. Yeah, I think that their comeback and kind of their the chemistry story uh, is going to drive some Red Sox player very high at the ballot, uh, and you know I think Adrian Beltre is going to do pretty well because. Uh, his performance in Texas, uh, you know, considering what all they've lost and the fact they're still playing well. Uh, I think you're going to see guys on winning teams who are also having good years finish ahead of Trout because, you know, historically guys who play for terrible teams or teams in fourth place don't do very well in the MVP voting. And Trout really doesn't have kind of the superlative uh, stat head numbers to really, you know, cause a legion of metric community members to rise up and, and, you know, crying loudly for him to get votes. This year, I think we're probably all going to shrug our shoulders and say, like, yeah, Trout should get it, but if you go for Cabrera, that's not
0: that bad, and all the voters are going to be like, fleet, I don't have to vote for my Trout this year. Yeah. Now, wait a second. Correct me if I'm not mistaken, but generally the threshold for uh, in terms of uh, wins above replacement for the Hall of Fame is like the 50-50 mark. Is it like 60 or 70 wins?
1: It used to be closer to 70, and then, you know, replacement level changes uh, where we unified our replacement level. Baseball reference brought our level down a little bit. Uh, so now it's probably
0: closer to 60. No, it's closer to 60. It should be noted, then, that um, uh, by the end of the season, Mike Trout will, will will nearly be a third of the way to the Hall of Fame. Right, and as a 21-year-old. Yeah, which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not, not so bad. I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, I wrote about this a few months ago. Trout had probably the best age-20 season of all time. There's a pretty good chance that by the end of the year he's ever had the best age-21 season of all time,
0: too. Yeah, well, all right, so he's good. So we did that. That's done now. Yeah. We did. We already handled it. Yeah. Okay, very good. That, I want to, to ask you about this last thing, too. I, I had the opportunity um, uh, yesterday, Sunday, I talked with uh, Nick Picoro at Fenway Park. We were at Fenway Park together. This is the third of a series of three interviews this year uh, in which I have a conversation with uh, Nick Picoro, the uh, Diamondbacks pre-writer for the Arizona Republic, in the Press Box Cafe of uh, right. of a, a stadium. First, there was Miller Bark in Milwaukee, uh, then uh, Wrigley Field in Chicago, of course, and then yesterday, the Press Box Cafe of Fenway Park. It's, uh, right. it's, a, it's a trilogy, really. And... Um, but one thing w- about which we were speaking is, or he was, you know, he was obviously because he's the beat writer. He was tasked with sort of um, uh, dissecting and interpreting the trade of uh, Ian Kennedy by the Diamondbacks to San Diego. Uh, superficially speaking, what it could look like is a team in contention trading a uh, a pitcher who's been one of that team's best, you know, since uh, since he's been playing in the major leagues. Uh, it's not necessarily that. But I'm curious, uh, I'm curious for you what that trade was. Uh, what the hell, Of course, they traded Ian Kennedy to San Diego in exchange for uh, Joe Thatcher, a left-handed reliever, Matt Stites, a hard-throwing, uh, if slightly undersized, uh, relief pitcher, and then a competitive balance pick, I believe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that trade kind of plays into the narrative of Kevin Towers over the last year or so. I mean, there's no question that uh, under Towers and Kirk Gibson, they, they've – done through a little bit of a remodel or organization and, and has uh, you know been given a lot of slack for um, acquiring a lot of you know scrappy gritty hard nosed uh, basically a collection of white guys who uh, play the game like Kurt Gibson likes to play the game uh, and this kind of I think this trade falls into that category from a broad perspective where you can look at it and say Kennedy was given a lot of home runs he wasn't pitching that well uh, you know powers uh, were really like bullpen guys and he likes um kind of a certain style of player. Both Thatcher and Stites kind of fit the mold of, of Kevin Towers, uh, uh, protege. He had, had Thatcher when he was in San Diego. Uh, this is, you know, Kevin Towers selling low on a good player once again, uh, trading in a, you know, a dollar for a couple of quarters. Um and you know, this is kind of the kind of move that he's have made multiple times the last couple years. It's kind of the same mold of Justin Upton trade where you took a, you know, a pretty notable player and traded him for uh, you know, a collection of spare parts, uh, at least is how it was seen at the time. Um, and I think, you know, some of those trades were more defensible than others. I didn't hate the dress up trades trade for the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, I think this trade is a little bit of a head-scratcher. I think, you know, the Diamondbacks didn't need a left-handed specialist and a right-handed relief prospect in a, in a um, any kind of glaring way. These guys aren't going to make the difference between them catching the Dodgers or not. There's a pretty good chance the Diamondbacks aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, Joe Thatcher's a, a decent reliever, I and mean, there's nothing wrong with having Joe Thatcher, but to give up Ian Kennedy for him, uh, you know, it's a little
0: weird. Well, what is Kennedy going to do from now I, I, You know, he he he's not the same pitcher he was, and yet uh, physically uh, it uh, seems to be mostly an issue of command, and yet physically we don't know that he's injured or anything like this. His velocity is approximately the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically just had a home run problem. I, mean, I think, you know, this is one of the... Uh, with pitchers, if you want to buy low on a pitcher, find a guy who's giving up a lot of home runs and, uh, you know, root for him to not give up some money the next year. It's probably the easiest way in baseball to buy low on a pitcher. Home run rates can have a huge impact on ERA and, you know, PIP, obviously, it's a, one of the three components. Uh, your numbers can look really bad if you give up a ton of home runs. But home runs are the least predictive of the three kind of true outcomes by a mile. I mean, if your walk rate and strikeout rates are, you know, kind of hanging out in the same general area you start giving up a lot of dingers, it might mean that there's something wrong or it might mean nothing. And so, uh, you know, there's certainly cases where, you know, like Dan Heron last year gave a lot of home runs. Dan Heron this year has not been very good. doesn't mean that every time you acquire a pitcher, uh, you know, who's giving up a lot of home runs that you're going to find a gem. But more often than not, you're going to do pretty well buying low. And I think, you know, for the Padres, they still play in Tesco Park. It's not quite as pitcher-friendly as it used to be, but it's still a pitcher's park on the West Coast. Uh, you know, buying low on, on a guy who just gives up too many home runs in Arizona, Basically, the best
0: kind of deal you can make. Okay. So, uh, what, congratulations to, uh, oh, uh, Josh, uh, who's, uh, Josh Burns, Josh, Josh Burns is out there, right? Yeah,
1: Right. Did those teams, yes, nice deal? Yes, nice deal for the Padres.
0: Did they trade, did they trade GMs as well? Kind did, of, yes.
1: Yeah, basically, there was a, a swap of, of GMs where it wasn't a, you know, like back, I think it was like a three month uh, gap. Uh, Uh in between when Towers left and then Burns left. It wasn't, you know, I'll give you my GM for yours. But, yeah, basically they had fun off of swaps in Arizona.
0: uh, I guess, well, Theo Epstein was traded, right? Is that right? Uh,
1: Yeah, I believe so.
0: I thought at some point uh, he was going to be part of it. It's uncommon. We could say it's uncommon.
1: Yeah, I think it's not so much that he was traded. It's like he was allowed out of his contract in exchange for some compensation.
0: Mm, Okay. Well, listen. You've done. Uh, look at this. You've done 30, 35 minutes, thirty-six minutes. Yeah,
1: and the dog fucked the entire time. This is kind of a miracle.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you, I think you fulfill your obligation. It's uh, so uh, we'll we'll let you go. Uh, but thank you, uh, Dave Cameron, uh, for participating. Thanks for having me. That is managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.